Welcome back to the week two edition of my weekly NFL Pick'em. I must have been good this offseason because NFL Santa brought me almost everything I asked for my week one video. Your boy went 12 and four on the week. We got a good kickoff game. Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson scored their touchdown. I got Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase going. I called the upsets of the Cardinals, the Bengals, the Texans, the Saints. Monday Night Football was one of the craziest games you'll ever see. And there were so many cans of whoop ass opened on teams in week one. Then how about these camera angles that make you feel like you're getting an NFL Films replay live in a game. We got so much good stuff that I'm barely even salty about the intentional grounding and offensive pass interference being completely ignored on back-to-back -back plays, essentially handing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a victory over the Cowboys. I don't know about you, but I'm just as pumped to get into week two. Make sure you guys like and subscribe to follow along all season long. We do random kind of NFL stuff here, working on some live streams. First one was a success. Hope you guys will turn out to this week's. Make sure you leave a comment. Our video last week only had 100 153 comments on it compared to 261 last year in week one those are rookie numbers we need to bump those way up if you're interested in joining the pick'em group we play on espn's fantasy app the regular season winner will get a hundred dollar nfl shop gift card and we will be dropping the lowest week so if you missed last week this is the perfect week to get in the link for that will be in the description and in the pinned comment also i decided i am not going to make my discord for members or patreons the idea of a paywall has just always really annoyed me so that's gonna stay open i hope you guys will join the discord because we are going to be using it in the live streams this year link for that will also be in the description and pinned comment let's get into week two on Thursday Night Football, we have got the New York Giants at the Washington football team. And it's crazy that these guys go from not playing a football game for months to then being asked to play two games in five days. If you ask me if the NFL really cared about player safety, Thursday Night Football games wouldn't start until week four, and they'd be set up around bye weeks, especially if you're gonna give us such a sloppy matchup for the first one, but I digress. I know I do appreciate having a game on Thursday night to help get me through the end of the week. But anyways, the Giants head to DC to take on the Washington Fighting Heineke's and Saquon Barkley suited up for the Giants last week, along with their stacked group of pass catchers, but it was more of the same from Daniel Jones. He had flashes of potential, followed by head-scratching moments like when he committed his 30th career fumble in only his 28th career game. Meanwhile, their offensive line is blocking themselves, and offensive coordinator Jason Garrett is not blameless here. I think he's got to go before the season's over to spark this Giants offense. As a Cowboys fan and former Garrett apologist, I think Garrett would be best suited to be a college head coach. He's great at running a consistent and clean steady program but innovation is not his thing i will say if there's one thing about garrett that you could always rely on is that he typically did have his team ready to go for divisional opponents the giants just happened to have one up this week and poor washington they were the first team to have a quarterback go down for an extended period of time this season ryan fitzpatrick suffered a hip injury and will probably be out for the first half of the season at best so cam newton didn't have to wait long for an ideal scenario to pop up for him i'm sure that he is just itching to get into washington but this team really likes tyler heineke and he's gonna get his shot to follow up that playoff performance against the Bucks. Even though myself included, many people would love to see a reunion with Cam and his former head coach Ron Rivera. Washington's best offensive player, Scary Terry McLaurin, will be going through his 10th quarterback transition in only his 32nd game, making the production that he has had thus far that much more impressive. But it's the defenses that will dominate in this game, and with the level of quarterback play, it could get pretty ugly. I think Washington wins this one 16 to 13.
Moving on to Sunday, we've got the Saints at the Panthers, and man, Jameis Winston balled out last week. Check out this crazy stat. He threw as many touchdown passes as Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, and Justin Herbert combined. Now, I've always been a Jameis fan. From the physical tools to the mental, he really is like the NFL's Forrest Gump. But can we talk about how Jameis was all in on the Saints game plan? He was scoring touchdowns without taking big risks, which resulted in an odd touchdown to yardage ratio. In fact, Winston was the first player in NFL history with five touchdowns on fewer than 150 yards passing but when it comes down to it eating w's is all that really matters it's like a lesson in what not to do in fantasy football check out this scenario i needed a kicker because in my yahoo league i just didn't draft one problem is i remember i needed to drop somebody around 105 p.m so the early rosters had already been locked the only option i had was to drop Jameis winston and pick up a kicker that had a game at a later time this is a strategy that if you haven't used before i definitely recommend it but what i should have done instead of panicking just after 1 p.m is I should have waited to see if I was even going to need those five to eight points from a kicker because let's be honest a lot of times the games are decided after the early slate but no I panicked and dropped him before my entire starting lineup laid a stinker and now I've probably lost Jameis Winston to waivers for the Raiders kicker the worst part is that quarterback is my team's biggest question mark and I felt like I was one of the few on the Jameis Winston bandwagon but now I feel like everybody's gonna be scrambling to pick him up so yeah don't do that but let's get back to the Saints and their defense they shut down one of the top offensive in the league now they've got to slow down one of the most dynamic players in the league while also dealing with a COVID outbreak that they likely contracted while seeking refuge from Hurricane Ida in Texas and Florida you know basically the two COVID capitals of the USA switching over to the Panthers Sam Darnold looks pretty good against the Jets at first he seemed like the emotions maybe had him early on maybe he was seeing ghosts I don't know but he settled in and played a really good game it was the first time in his 18 game career that he finished with a passer rating over 100 that was just his first taste of life after Adam Gase the Panthers young defense also played well they sacked new jets quarterback zach wilson six times by six different guys but i don't know if i see them having as much success against the saints offensive line which is one of the best in the league the drew Brees saints they tended to struggle on the road against their outdoor divisional opponents but this is a more explosive and more vertical offense and Jameis winston already has a lot of experience in these nfc south stadiums i'm rolling with black forest gump saints win 27 19 next we've got Bengals at the bears First of all, I was terrified that the Vikings Bengal game was headed for a tie. Six of the last 10 ties in the NFL actually involved the Vikings, the Bengals, or Kirk Cousins. One of them even involved Kirk Cousins and the Bengals. I mentioned in my week one overview of the Bengals that in this season, I just want to see progress from this team and make sure that Zach Taylor was the guy to lead this team moving forward. At times in that game, it seemed like he had blown a few decisions that helped the Bengals lead slip away, but all in all, they were able to pull it out. So in the end, he'll ultimately get a pass for that game. But it's it's definitely something to pay attention to moving forward but how about joe burrow getting that audible in overtime on fourth and inches that is one way to build your confidence back up Burrow still took five sacks so the offensive line is going to have their hands full against khalil mack who got neutralized in la so you know he's gonna be headhunting this week but it's the offense that is still the big question mark for this bears team matt Nagy was blessed to get another chance with justin fields after failing to develop mitch trubisky and i'm cool with him bringing fields in to get him some experience here and there but i just don't know why you bring justin fields in for a red zone pass on the first drive of the game if it's just going to be a drop back pass to only then put Andy Dalton back in on third down following that there's no rhythm there there's no flow it's hard to even put any blame on Dalton in that scenario don't try to steal Sean Payton's style if you can't replicate his strategic usage of it all in all I feel like the Bears season will come down to two parts the first being the current state of limbo while the Bears try to fulfill a free agent promise to Andy Dalton the second being when Justin Fields finally takes over as the starter this week I think everybody can lock in for Andy Dalton to get 
his revenge against the Bengals so that they can move on to the second part of the season sooner than later. Bears win 24-13. Texans versus Browns. After all the turmoil that the Texans have been through this offseason, picking them in week one against the Jaguars might be the pick that I'm the most proud of from last week. This Texans team is a group of veterans that don't have much high ceiling potential, but when it comes down to it, they're still seasoned vets. And why is it the Jaguars get a new quarterback and everybody just ignores the fact that they were coming in with a 15 game losing streak? I think that as long as Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor is healthy and the Chargers team doctor is anywhere and around, the Texans are going to have a chance to play the trap game role for all the good teams on their schedule and I guess this one's kind of a revenge game for Tyrod. I'm also hella proud of the Browns and even more proud that I hyped them up as Super Bowl winners in my predictions for them to then turn around and take it to the Chiefs for 58 minutes. That game was kind of like the AFC counterparts of the Cowboys doing the same to the Bucks in that they were moral victories against their conference representatives from the previous Super Bowl. I felt like the Browns took their foot off the gas a little and then made some critical mistakes that really cost that game and you definitely can't do that versus Mahomes and company but that's the home field difference and especially now that we've got fans back in the stadiums but as long as they don't look past the Texans I think that they're going to handle their business at home probably run all over them Browns win 34 to 20. Rams at Colts. It didn't take us long to figure out the real difference that we were going to see with Matthew Stafford in this Rams offense. Jared Goof, uh, sorry, Goff, he just can't hit those deep post routes. He also struggled to rip it in the end zone like this, and the Rams are going to convert on a lot more touchdown drives because of Stafford. I'm still concerned with Matthew Stafford's record versus teams that finished the season with winning records and his 0-3 playoff record, but he also never had a passer rating above 150 in Detroit, so for 17 more weeks, this offense is going to be poetic. Fortunately, I don't know if this Colts roster is going to be an improved version from their 2020 counterpart and there's definitely some growing pains as they work through some injuries for you Colts fans that are still trying to figure out what you've got in Carson Wentz let me tell you his next rival of his the Seahawks have completely owned him Wentz is now 0-6 against them and has never put up more than 17 points so yeah that was probably his best performance against them the fact that he played that well given the circumstances was a good sign I think I don't know if he'll ever be in that MVP form that we saw in 2017 but he can be a franchise quarterback if the surrounding pieces are playing well Colts offensive line didn't play to the level that we've become accustomed to ever since they added Quentin Nelson, but getting Eric Fisher back should help solidify the left side. Not sure if that's going to be this week yet or not, but Stafford has got to be excited after seeing what Russell Wilson did to that cold secondary, so I think the Rams are going to win this one 28-20. Broncos versus Jaguars. The Broncos surprised people with their performance against the Giants. Not this guy. Von Miller was an under the radar comeback, but he announced his return in big Von Miller fashion with two sacks. Now, if they can just get Bradley Chubb back, this defense will be really scary again. And not that I'm counting, but it's been 29 games since the Miller Chubb duo has been on the field together. The Broncos are fortunate that Jerry Judy only suffered a high ankle sprain last week because it looked a lot worse than that. I think that Dak and Alex Smith's injuries are a little bit too fresh in our minds, but for anyone who has hasn't had a high ankle sprain, I can tell you that they are way worse than they sound. But the good thing is that it's not as much structural damage. And if there's something worth playing for in November and December, Jerry Judy can come back. Fortunately, the Broncos are relatively deep at wide receiver, but now it's on Cortland Sutton to carry this passing attack as the go-to guy. Teddy Bridgewater played well, but that's kind of his ceiling. Doesn't get much better than that. And with this defense, that's okay. For the Jaguars, they need their quarterback to elevate everybody around him. That's a lot to put on a rookie quarterback, which resulted in the first regular season loss of Trevor Lawrence's football career. In fact, the only concern with him as a draft prospect was that he never faced long-term adversity. He always played for winning football programs, and the only true adversity he saw came in the form of maybe a slow start here and there. I'm personally not worried about him, but I am concerned with Urban Meyer's health declining with each loss, especially as long as that USC head coaching job is open. Broncos win this one 24-14. 
Bills versus Dolphins. If I'm grading that Bills offensive game plan from last week, they get a big yikes from me. I swear, overconfidence will get you. I always preach that complacency is our biggest downfall as human beings, and it's never more evident than it is in sports. Hopefully, Josh Allen was just off on Sunday. That's always kind of been the knock on him. When he is locked in, he can do it all. Round two of Devin Singletary versus Dak Moss was a talking point all offseason, only for Zach Moss to be inactive on the first week of the season. Remember at the end of the season last year, Sean McDermott said that they want to be able to run the ball better moving forward. Well, this offensive line as a whole is going to have to improve greatly if this Bills team is going to recreate the success that they had last year. Josh Allen has struggled against the Steelers defense in the past, and luckily for him, they are probably the best defense the Bills are going to have to face in the regular season this year. But this Dolphins defense is no joke either. Last year, the Dolphins were my pick'em baby. I really bought into Brian Flores and the rebuild being ahead of schedule, so I don't see a reason to jump off the bandwagon thus far. Would I like to see more from Tua? Sure. Especially when it comes to taking some deep shots, but that's not what this team needs from him, nor do I expect it to be a point of emphasis from the coaching staff. He is what he is. He's a dynamic bus driver. He's got he's got probably bottom half of the league arm strength, but that accuracy might be top five. Let's stop trying to fit this round peg into a square hole. I'm going with the Dolphins, which will put the Bills in an 0-2 hole, but I do think they're capable of climbing themselves out before it's all said and done. Dolphins win this one 2017. Patriots versus Jets. Keeping it in the AFC East, Mac Jones was solid against the good Dolphins defense. It's actually scary to see him processing things so quickly in the NFL. I was a bit of a draft doubter of his, but that was mostly because I refused to give any credit to the rumors surrounding him and the 49ers. He was always going to be successful if a solid franchise took him, and honestly, we should all be terrified that Belichick gets a guy with the mental aptitude of a Mac Jones for the final years of his coaching career. As for the Jets, they're going to be missing Mekhi Becton after they surrendered six sacks of Zach Wilson last week. For the record, despite the fact that I would have still taken fields over Wilson, especially with the state of this Jets offensive line, I still believe that Wilson is a solid quarterback prospect. However, the list of other quarterbacks that took six sacks in their first career start is not great company. Bill Belichick is traditionally a rookie quarterback's worst nightmare, and there's no reason to expect that to change with this Jets roster surrounding Zach Wilson, and the Patriots win this one easy 31-21. 49ers versus Eagles. Now you know that Kyle Shanahan has made it as a top tier NFL coach when he's able to win games while trolling your fantasy team with surprise inactives or reducing everyone's favorite breakout player to a single punt return. You can't even trust the starting quarterback to be the one throwing the touchdowns these days. All jokes aside, I always like to bring attention to the West Coast teams coming in from the East Coast for 1 p.m. starts. However, as of late, it seems like all these well-coached teams in the West divisions have been changing the narrative that they struggle in these scenarios. However, I think that that 49ers game in Detroit was a unique week one edition of how a West Coast team can struggle in a 10 a.m. body clock kickoff. I think that the adrenaline was enough to get the 49ers ramped up for an early lead, but fatigue set in and they went from looking like a juggernaut to choking away a huge lead to the Lions. Typically in a non-week one scenario, it's going to be a slow start that plagues these West Coast teams in early East Coast games. And after their second 10 a.m. start in a row, compounded with the general week two fatigue, I won't be shocked if the 49ers are highly affected by that this week because they've got much stiffer competition. This Eagles defense is way better than the Lions defense, and it looks like the team is really rallying behind Jalen Hurts. Now, the Eagles beating the Falcons wasn't shocking, but the way that they stepped on their throat and dominated them did surprise me. Jalen Hurts is the third quarterback since 1950 to come out this hot and have three passing touchdowns and 50 rushing yards in a week one game. It does help that he's got such a good offensive line. I can't tell you how frustrating it is that the entire 
entire NFL let Jordan Mailata fall to the seventh round. Even Madden GMs knew that his draft story meant that he had superstar development. Jordan Mailata was PFF's third highest graded pass blocker from week one, and honestly, that's not so surprising. It does feel like there's an offensive line theme this week, and I'm just buying what these breakout offensive linemen are selling. Maybe because this time of year, offensive linemen are typically the rustiest of players, so the guys that aren't rusty are standing out like sore thumbs, but we'll have to wait and see. I think that the Eagles, though, have a chance to be really efficient team this year, and that's going to be a credit to their offensive line and a mobile quarterback, really opening things up for them. Uh, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I think that the Eagles are going to be playing inspired football behind their leader quarterback, while the 49ers are going to be in a similarly awkward purgatory like the Bears. Eagles win 26-24. Raiders versus Steelers. In the AFC playoff race, this game might be more important than you think. And by the way, I totally forgot to congratulate Carl Nassib for his courage to come out as the first openly gay NFL player last week. I couldn't think of a better guy to open the door for anyone else that's been masking their true identity. And I think it's awesome that pretty soon it won't even be a thing. So instead of bashing the Raiders offense or Derek Carr for forcing it to Darren Waller for three quarters, I'm gonna say that this was all part of the Gruden master plan. The chess match side of this game is highly underrated and may Maybe he was trying to pull coverage away from the younger wide receivers on this team so that they could shine in the spotlight when the game was on the line. That's about as far as I can stretch, guys. But the Raiders defense gets credit for that win on Monday Night Football. They hassled two solid offensive tackles and had Lamar Jackson running for his life out there. Big props to John Gruden and Gus Bradley for having the courage to bench fourth overall pick Cleveland Furl in favor of fourth round pick Max Crosby. Those numbers carry weight and it takes guts to make that move. And it's funny, when you're grading Gruden and Mayock for their draft, do you knock them? for missing on fourth overall pick or is it offset by them hitting on a fourth round pick that plays the same position either way this defensive line now gets to play against an offensive line with five new starters that are only playing their second game together in their first game they made the bills defensive line look like a group of all pros despite that the steelers beat a really good bills team by getting them to beat themselves really and i think that that's the way the steelers are going to be winning football games this year big ben brought back more of the same he's like that old overweight guy in a pickup basketball game you know he tries really hard and he's gonna be throwing his big sweaty body around more than he probably needs to then out of nowhere he pulls off some ridiculous Kobe Bryant like drive to the hoop even though it looks like he's moving in slow motion the whole time you know what I mean those kind of sporadic old man performances are going to make the Steelers one tough team to predict all season long and then sometimes all of the playmakers that he has around him are going to do the work for him but it's the defense that's going to keep them in every single game the key will be can this hodgepodge offensive line start to gel enough for Roethlisberger and the running game to get going they traditionally play the Ravens well even in the Lamar Jackson era so I expect them to be in the playoff conversation all year and that continues with AFC wins against lesser opponents. I guess we'll find out if that's the Raiders or not. The Derek Carr crowd noise thing is becoming a bit of a meme so it's gonna be hard for me to pick the Raiders in any road games especially when it's in front of the wild yellow towel waivers. Steelers win this one 26-17. Up next, we've got Vikings at Cardinals. Vikings fans were probably the saltiest in the comments of all 32 teams last week, but I felt pretty justified in my stance for a majority of their game against the Bengals. I'm not gonna pile on because we clearly see your quarterback in different lights, and that's fine. It's almost impossible to objectively watch the quarterback of your favorite team, I get it. As a Cowboys fan and former Rockford, Michigan resident and semi-Spartans fan, yeah, I've lived in a lot of places. I've watched Cousins from Michigan State to Washington, and I too fell under his spell after the first season 
division with Minnesota. I even picked them as my preseason Super Bowl winners that year. So I'm sorry, you can't tell me that I'm completely off base with Kirk Cousins. I know that it's not what you wanted to hear. And some of you will probably look at the stat line of the Bengals game and say that Kirk played well, but his wimpy impression of Alex Smith continuously puts the Vikings in bad positions. Hey, don't hate the messenger, but I'm feeling pretty good about calling the Cardinals over the Titans. I think this team has a lot of potential. Kyler Murray is my overreaction Monday MVP, and it's down to Chandler Jones and his five sacks versus Dak for comeback player of the year already. Now they get to feast on wimpy right wing Alex Smith as he cowers behind a below average offensive line. But shout out to Patrick Peterson. Hopefully he can make a play in this game. But even a pick six probably wouldn't be the difference. Cardinals win 35-19. Falcons at Buccaneers. I gotta say, when I saw Matt Ryan putting it all on the line on third and long in the first quarter of a week one matchup and diving for a first down, I felt like he was gonna carry this Falcons team on his back. Fast forward a couple quarters and I see him flat on his face, literally. I'm pretty disappointed with the Falcons' ability to respond after that initial play, but maybe the Eagles' defense is better than we thought. The Falcons have been one of those fringe teams that bounce back and forth between good and bad seasons, and they seem to reveal themselves pretty quickly. We'll see if this Falcons team is as bad as their week one performance because they've got the Super Bowl champs up next and they're coming off extra rest after their track meet with the Cowboys. This one's got potential to get ugly, but I think the Falcons at least keep it respectable. But poor Matt Ryan all season is going to be scoring Blake Bortles like points and garbage time to make it look closer than it really is. Bucks win this one 38-24. Cowboys at Chargers. <sighs> The Cowboys should have beaten the Bucks, And then the NFL has the nerve to suspend Lyle Collins the day after the game for missing or skipping drug tests, but check this kangaroo court out. In the last 18 months, Lyle's been drug tested over 180 times. That's just absurd. Heaven forbid the guy miss a few when you're testing him multiple times per week. And if he was failing him, then that's another story, but he passed all that he was present for. I shouldn't be this frustrated with the NFL and it's only week two. Let, let's talk about the Chargers. These guys, they went 14 for 19 on third down against one of the best defensive units in the league and one of those was a victory formation kneel down so really it was 14 for 18. One thing that I got wrong from last week was actually the only key matchup that I included in that video because it was a late edition graphic but I will try and incorporate more and more of those as the season goes on but Rashawn Slater absolutely won the matchup with Chase Young and company as if they were all back at Northwestern and Ohio State only this time it resulted in Slater's team winning. In my predictions I basically said that I expected Justin Herbert to be able to improve as a quarterback but that regression that so many people seem to be talking about would only be statistically well having Rashawn Slater can change everything when you have the stability of a dominant left tackle or offensive tackle really it has a ripple effect that can elevate everybody along the offensive line for this one I'm gonna do the key matchup being Mike McCarthy versus Brandon Staley McCarthy is a fine head coach not to sound like your grandpa here but that's the nicest way that I can describe McCarthy is that he's fine I don't think he's as good of a head coach as he thinks he is nor do I think that he offers as much in the complexity of a game plan but he can be a stable presence really the underlying matchup in this one is Kellen Moore's offense against Brandon Staley's defense. Staley seems like he's going to be a really good head coach. He and Herbert have set the Chargers up for a lot of potential success moving forward. I think that this defense has got a really high ceiling with Bosa and Derwin James back and healthy. They're going to play a big role in trying to slow down this Cowboys offense. Ezekiel Elliott could be the X factor for the Cowboys. He needs to run the ball as well as he pass protected against the Bucks, and that will make the Cowboys a lot more balanced offensively and with whatever kind of tendonitis that Dak is dealing with in his shoulder. You really don't want him throwing 58 times a game every week. I actually hope that the Chargers as an organization can shake whatever bad luck has been following them around forever, really, and find some success with this squad because they're a lot of fun. And despite the fact that this is probably going to be like a road game for the Chargers, I do think that they win 35-34. 
Titans at Seahawks. In my week one video, I predicted that the Titans would be a little bit slow and sluggish after having a COVID outbreak run through their locker room. And I can't tell you if that's what happened or not for sure, but it definitely did seem like something was holding them back. But everybody just seemed a shade slower than they should be. Maybe it's the number, but AJ Brown was out there looking like prime Julio Jones more than Julio Jones was. And we're probably a few weeks away from this being a legit question, but I'm sure there are some that are already asking it. Is Julio Jones actually going to be an improvement over Corey Davis in this offense? Corey Davis is younger and a better run blocker than Julio Jones. And for a guy like Derrick Henry to be Derrick Henry, the running game needs to be your identity. This isn't Madden where names and attributes dictate superiority. With the change at offensive coordinator, this might not have been the year to transition away from their typical offense. After all, it was the former offensive coordinator that signed off on his star wide receiver to be traded. It just happened to be that it was his former team that he was trading him to. But for the Titans' sake, hopefully they don't try and get away from what made them so successful in the last couple of years. Or maybe Taylor Lewan just needs to not get his ass kicked so badly. As for the Seahawks, I'm going to try not to fall too in love with them if they continue this hot start like they always do. A lot of you guys know about my love affair with DK Metcalf and with Russell Wilson just being such a good deep ball thrower. I think that the Seahawks have the potential to do exactly what the Cardinals did to their defense last week. So Seahawks are going to win this one 33-28. And then on Sunday night, we have got the game of the week, the Chiefs at the Ravens, or at least it's being framed like it's the game of the week. However, it's starting to quickly also feel like the Ravens season could be falling apart before they know it. They've got a really tough schedule, and if that offensive line can't get things together, they might be in trouble. Meanwhile, the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. They literally can go down three touchdowns in the first quarter, and I still think that they're probably going to win the game. They got absolutely gouged in the running game by the Browns in the first half, and then their defense came out and completely locked them down in the second half and provided that opportunity for the Chiefs to storm back and win that game. I could see this game playing out much like it did, I think it was last year or the year before, it was played in the same exact scenario, prime time in Baltimore. I just don't think that the Ravens have enough offensively to keep up with the Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs will win this one 36-31. And then finally, on Monday Night Football, we've got the Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers. Hopefully, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning will be back commentating this game. I missed way too much of it because I thought that this was supposed to be on ESPN+, Plus, but I guess they're giving a little bit of a teaser at the beginning of the year and showing it on ESPN2, so make sure you check that out. I definitely would enjoy seeing their breakdown and reactions to Jared Goof, I mean Goff. But when I'm taking notes for these pick'em videos while watching games on Sundays, my notes can sometimes be a little bit too harsh, and therefore my opinion ends up getting tempered as the games conclude but this was something that I just couldn't find a way to scale back on because I still believe in the accuracy of it Jared Goff is going to be the Blake Bortles of 2021 a garbage time stat pattern despite the Lions effort to get back in that game against the 49ers I just feel like that's part of the goof sorry the Goff experience I'm not doubting the Lions I actually spoke in favor of them last week projected that I think they'll do better than the general consensus but they got their ass beat against the 49ers they were honestly fortunate that the 49ers let up a little bit so they could develop a little bit of rhythm and confidence coming out of that game. And hey, at least they found out that Penny Sewell is what we all thought that he was. It just isn't a one-side-fits-all situation. And Taylor Decker better be working on his stance in the mirror because when he comes back from IR, he's going to be playing at right tackle where he played as a sophomore at Ohio State. And that's where he's going to be playing from now on. But let's get to the main event of this Monday Night Football game because the Uncle Rogers Neighborhood spinoff that we saw last week is not what I thought we were getting in this season of The Last Dance. Maybe the Packers 
didn't get the memo that they cut preseason down to three games and they essentially just treated the game against the Saints like a fourth preseason by taking all their starters out for the fourth quarter. I fully expect them to reload for a full 60 minutes this week and will come out ready to redeem themselves because that was a pretty pathetic performance. But will that extra preseason game make up for all the time that Rodgers missed while he was backstage getting his makeup done for this last dance season? I don't know. We'll have to see. The only thing that I could think to get them back on track would be, you know, hosting a division bottom feeder, preferably one that overexerted themselves last week. Oh, look, it's the Lions. Oh, man. I did voice concerns with the Packers' lack of attention to improving their defense too this offseason, and they got worked on that side of the ball. Let's chalk it up to an ineffective offense, putting them in tough spots, but that's still something I'm going to be paying attention to. Also, I wasn't aware that Aaron Rodgers struggled in Florida. I didn't know that that was a thing, but when I saw the stat, it did trigger some memories of previous games, most notably being the only stain on his 2020 MVP season in Tampa Bay. But you know this guy in prime time, especially if he knows that Peyton and Eli are going to be up there reacting to his every performance. Aaron Rodgers is going to be locked in. Packers win this one 28-17. That's going to do it for my week two picks. Thank you guys so much for watching, liking, commenting, subscribing, all that good stuff. Don't forget to join all the things in the pinned comment and the description. Join the Pick'em League, join the Discord, and even double your money with my bookie using promo code NFLRT. And leave a comment. Let me know if you did one of those things, two of those things, all of those things. Let me know if you did none of those things. Feel free to share your picks in the comments. Without you guys, this stuff doesn't even work. Otherwise, I'm just some weird NFL fan yelling at my computer. So let me know what's going on with you down in the comments. I want to hear from you, even if it's just what you had for breakfast today. Me, personally, well, I found these new Dolce de Leche Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and they're essentially caramel toast crunch, and they're banging. That's what I had for breakfast. Thanks again for watching, and I will see you all in my next video.